they're the real deal. I don't know if there's a higher compliment that I can give them. Great men and women of God that have a heart for God. And that's what I want to share with you just for a few moments. I won't be long. I'm never long. I'm serious. I'm never long. The heart of a pastor. <laughs> In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 3, verse 15, God says this. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. I'm proud to say today that we have a, a series of pastors. We got, uh, we got pastors for both children's church, uh, adults. Well, I, don't, I just need to share something right out of my heart right now. This group that was just up here playing, awesome. God is using that generation to touch people. I would just want to, I just want to hope you, help you to realize this. There's not a Holy Spirit for the little ones, a junior Holy Spirit. And there's not a Holy Spirit for the mid-teens, the pre-teens and stuff. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave. That very same Spirit is upon the youth, upon the elders, upon the seniors. It's upon everybody. It's the same Spirit that, that dwells in you. Somebody needs to understand that today. We look back and we think, oh, that's cute. We got young people doing things. That's, that's cute. That's entertaining. It's not entertainment, folks. It's ministry before God. We pray back there beforehand that God let your spirit flow in this place. Use our gifts and our abilities that your name would be magnified and lifted up. So we have pastors that pastor these young people. And you see what the work that they're doing down there. Man, Pastor Ben and Courtney, Pastor Chancey and Holly, wow. What can you say? Awesome jobs. I so, so appreciate their heart for things. God said, I will give you pastors according to my heart. When they get up and speak, it is the heart of God that is being shared with you. And I so appreciate that. And we see it in the way that they live their lives. We see it in the walk. You know, it's one thing to talk the talk, but it's another thing to walk the walk. And these are men and women of God who, who I, I, know how it, I know how you must do at night. I, the, the few opportunities I get to preach... I lay awake at night. I stare at the blackness of the night. I try to find the voice of God and try to find the heart of God that I, would per, that I would be able to relay a message that would be received and people would know, Lord, it comes from you and it's not out of something that's in my mind and in my heart. These are the kind of pastors that we have. And just for a couple moments, I want to share with you something that's in my heart that God has laid upon me. And I think it's, if, if I'm not out of line I, th I think it's the, the heart of our pastors. Because the heart of our pastors is that this entire congregation, this entire community, this entire state, everybody would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is the heart of the pastor. That not one person would be left behind. That's the heart of the pastor. That people would be delivered. People would be set free. People would be healed. People would be filled with the Spirit of God. That they would hear the voice of God. That they would see the mighty works of God, the handiworks of his mighty hand. So I just want to share out of the book of Matthew, chapter 22, there's a parable. One time I was, I was talking with somebody about a parable. And they said, you know, I, that doesn't really bother me. It's just a parable. It's not, if it was factual, 
if they were like factual things, then it, it would carry more weight. And I thought to myself, man, Jesus shared parables because he wanted to show you a, a, a story of how the kingdom of heaven operates. And so he used, uh, he used a word story to paint a picture, this is how the kingdom of heaven operates. So parables are important. They're not to be dismissed. So Jesus shares a parable in Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus answered, and he's spoken to them by parables, and he said, the kingdom of heaven is like, say that with me, the kingdom of heaven is like, get that in your head, the kingdom of heaven is like this, what I'm getting ready to share with you, this is how the kingdom of heaven is like, so he paints this word story, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son, we have a certain king, he makes a marriage for his son. How many of you know that the church is the bride of Christ? If you have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're the bride of Christ. So we have, a, we have a certain king, and he has a son, and he creates a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his service to call them that were bidden to the wedding. But here's the sad part. They would not come. They wouldn't come. You see, when you reject the son, you reject the father. The invitation is open. Come ye all that labor, heavy burden. Come unto me, Jesus says. So he sent forth his servants to call them were bidden, but they would not come. And again, in verse 4, or yeah, verse 4, God is a patient God. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which were bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fattings are killed. They are ready coming to the marriage. The table is set. It's spread out before you. Come to this wedding. But again, watch what happens. This, this breaks my heart. I'll be honest with you. This, this, this touches me. He said, but they made light of it. And they went their own ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. And the remnants took his servants and treated them spitefully and slew them. Breaks my heart. You present the gospel. You tell people, listen, Jesus Christ came upon a cross and he bore the sins that you and I, we don't have to walk in our sins any longer. He paid the price. But yet... We go our own way. We turn from that. It breaks the heart of the Father. It breaks my heart. And it breaks the pastor's hearts here that people do that. They hear the word of God, but yet they, they just they dismiss it so easily. They go their own way. But then God says this. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies. And he destroyed those murders, and he burned up their city. What we're seeing here, folks, is a picture of Jesus coming to the nation of Israel, to the Jewish people. But yet they rejected him. If you look in your history books, look at 70 A.D. and see what happens to Jerusalem. The Roman Empire utterly destroys Jerusalem. They burn the, the, the temple there, 
and they were, they took no regard to men, women, boys, and girls. They just, they killed. God's fury came upon the nation of Israel and upon Jerusalem in particular and upon the temple. But then the good news for us Gentiles, look what, look what it says. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, into the many ways you find. Bid to the marriage. So those servants went out to the highways, and they gathered together all the, as many as they found, both good and bad. And the wedding was furnished with, with guests. I am so thankful. I'm not part of the Jewish tree. I am that grafted in branch. I am so glad that the mercies of God came forth. And now you and I can now enter into a relationship, into a covenant with the almighty God. So thankful. That's, what, that's, that's the turning of the page for us. But here's, here's where my heart breaks again. So they go into the wedding. It was furnished. And in verse 11, And when the king came to see his guests, he saw that there was a man which not, that had on not a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how comest thou in thither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Here's what I found in studying the wedding garment. This is, this is key. You see, the individuals don't have a wedding garment. You just don't go to your closet and start rummaging through and say, Oh my, got a, we got a wedding to go to. What should I wear? Well, I wore that suit last week. Uh, it's, oh, here's my wedding garment. I'll wear that. It doesn't work like that. The king provides the wedding garment. You need to get this. You see, we are robed with the righteousness of Christ. It is the king who robes us. The wedding garment comes from the king. And here we find a gentleman that tries to slip in, but he doesn't have the king's wedding garment on. You know what the Bible says about my righteousness and your righteousness? It says filthy rags. I'll spare you today what the filthy rags are, your welcome. Other words, whatever we do, our works, our going through the motions, our coming to church, even in our giving, that's not enough, folks. You've got to have a relationship. You've got to be robed with the righteousness of Christ. It's not enough. I, I struggled with how I was going to present this message because it is the Father's heart that none should perish, that everyone would come into everlasting life with him. But I see too many people trying to wear their own robes. And it's not the Father's heart. The Father says, I've prepared your robes. You don't have to wear your own robes. I see what your robes are made of, but look at here what I've got for you. I'm telling you, whenever you come into covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ, you are no longer your own. You are covered by his robe. 
you have royalty running through your veins. You got the most high God that is that has adopted you. And therefore we can cry, Abba, Father, we can run to our daddies. In verse, whatever it is, 13, my, my print is small. Then said he, then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. For there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a, that's a strong parable whenever you begin to look at it in the essence of plain church. Plain, plain games. It's a dangerous game to play. Robed in our own righteousness. I'm so thankful today. I know I'm nothing. I know that. I, I know I know where I came from, and I know what I could be. Sometimes I, I just need to I need to answer somebody's question in their mind about our worship here sometimes. Sometimes our worship gets a little bit, you know, it gets a little bit cranked up. <laughs> Let me tell you, I love it. I'm telling you, I love it. But you know, people sit back and they're like, well, why do you gotta? Why do you got to cry? Why do you got to laugh? Why do you got to clap your hands? Why do you got to stomp your feet and raise your hands and carry on? You know why? Because I have a testimony. I know where I came from, and I know where I could be. But the God of all creation adopted me, and he robed me with his robe. So therefore, whenever I stand before him and I begin to think about all the mighty and great, wonderful things he did, how can I not cry? How can I not raise my hands. Well, how can I not stop my feet? I begin to understand, Lord, I was way down here, but you robed me with your righteousness. You called me by my name. How can I not wave my banner? You see, it's like this. I was wired for 110. Whenever I get plugged in up there, it's 220. And when I get 220 running through my veins, I can't help but just to shout just a little bit. I can't help but just to weep a little bit before him. Sometimes I laugh in the spirit. I'd love to see the people. When we, a few years ago, we had a Saturday night service here. We had a worship service. We had our band up here. We had rehearsed our songs. We knew where we was going. Pastor Jeff was doing his thing. Pastor Jeff, to me, is, you, any of you campers, guys, know, know what a feral rod is? It's a fire starter. It's a fire starter. Pastor Jeff is a fire starter to me. When I get around him, fire begins to jump. It begins to jump on us. Pastor Dwayne, Amanda, Mama G, they all came that night. It was a Saturday night. I don't know if you remember it or not. I'll tell you what, the power of God came through this place. I seen worship like I hadn't seen in a while. I tell you what, my something in my spirit just began to churn. I began to, I found it intriguing. I found it engaging. I found it liberating. There was freedom in the house. I told Amanda a few weeks ago out in the, on the lobby, I said, you're a breaker. I call you a breaker. When you begin to praise and you begin to shout and you begin to dance before God, I see, I see the demonic things just breaking in the heavens. And I see it going straight on through to the throne room of God. I see the, the face of the Father begin to smile. It, 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 Lord loves it when his children worship him. So we robe ourselves in our own righteousness. And it's a dangerous game we play. 
I just want to share a few more verses and then I'm going to be done. But I find this to be encouraging to me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let me get there. There's coming a day, folks, and that day is approaching quickly. I don't know how many of you uh, follow Bible prophecy, eschatology, whatever you want to call it. Stuff is being fulfilled every day. The coming of the Lord is nigh. It's near. It could happen any. I'm going to put a thought in your head. I don't know. <laughs> Crazy thought. The next time you're driving down the road and you're looking up at the sky and you see those white billowing clouds, look like pillars up there. You know what? There just might be behind that cloud a band of angels. There might just be the Son of God with a trump in their mouth and the shout of the archangel. It might, that, those clouds could just break forth at any moment. He could come. The, the stage is set. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. You shall not all sleep, but you shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of eye, at that last trumpet, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. John says it this way, Jesus speaking, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. See, the, the Jewish people would understood this. This makes sense. This is part of their marriage ceremony. Whenever, I'm, uh, whenever a couple was betrothed, when they were engaged, the man would go home and he would build a place for his bride. And whenever he got it all in place, he said, oh, you know what? She likes this, she likes this color. And she likes these, this, this thing. She'll really like this. And when it's all set, when it's all, he's ready for his bride. He calls his, his wedding party together, and he goes and he fetches his bride. So they understood that Jesus went away. He's preparing a place, and I'm his bride. And one of these days, him and his bridal party are going to come and going to take me away. And there I'm going to be forevermore with him. In 1 Thessalonians it reads like this. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep, talking about the dead, that you sorrow not even as others have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and he rose again, even so them also which sleep with Jesus, Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that which we are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall prevent or foresee them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which were alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. He says this, wherefore comfort one another with these words. I find it comforting to know whenever I turn on the news and I see all the silly stuff going on, whenever I hear all the stuff, I just know I'm 
I'm just a pilgrim traveling through. I'm just here temporarily. I have a permanent home that sits upon the other side that has streets of gold. <laughs> that's where, that's my home, and I find comfort in these words. In Acts chapter 1, it says, Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking in the sky? This same Jesus who was taken away from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back, and he's coming back for a bride that is without spot, without blemish. He's coming back for a people that have a passion for him, that are walking according to his statutes and to his laws. And we, we can't play these dangerous games of being rogues with our own. We can't play these games, folks. My heart desire is that everyone under the sound of my voice makes it. Everybody is ready. That's my heart. I can't imagine heaven without you. I'll be honest, I, I can't imagine what it would be like without you. He's got a place, place for you at the table. There's a reservation card with your name on it. He says, put your feet under the Father's table. That's my heart. There's one last verse I want to share with you, and then I'm going to close. In 2 Kings chapter 10, let me set it up a little bit. Israel has a king by the name of Jehu. God has given Jehu a task. And that task is to bring judgment against the prophets and the worshipers of Baal. Jehu was the man for the job. If you would do some study on it, he was the man for the job. God picked the right guy. And so we find Jehu here. It says, after he left there, he came unto upon Jehonabad, son of Rechab, who was on his way to meet him. Jehu greeted him and said, are you in accord with me as I am with you? I am, Jehonabad answered. If so, said Jehu, give me your hand. So he did. And Jehu helped him up into the chariot. Jehu said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. For they had him right along in his chariot. Here's what he said. Man of God has got his chariot. He's got his army with him. And he's going down the road. He has a mission. God has placed something upon his heart. I'm, remember, we're talking about the heart of the pastor, the heart of God. And he sees a man walking on the side of the road. He pulls up beside him and he simply says this. Is your heart like mine? If it is, come on aboard and see the zeal of the Lord. If not, I've got places to go. I've got people to see. I've got a task. I don't have time to play these little silly games. He doesn't ask him, well, what, what exactly where are you from? What city are you from? Who's your mama? Who's your daddy? Are you post-trib? Are you mid-trib? Are you pre-trib? We'll figure all that stuff out later. But right now, we got a move of God, and we need to get to where God has put us because we have a place. And what I want to ask you today, is your heart like mine? Pastor Dwayne, brother, I know your heart's like mine. I know your heart's like mine. Would you come up here with us, please? Amanda, dear, would you come up with us? Ryan, is your heart like mine? Would you come up with us?
Candace, you come too. I know your heart's like mine. I love you, brother. Pastor Ben, Courtney, is your heart like mine this morning? Would you just stand up here, please? Pastor Chancy, Holly, I know your heart's like mine. I know your heart's like mine. Will you just stand up there, please? Pastor Jeff, you fire starter you. <laughs> Brother, you and I have traveled some roads. We've been to some places. We've seen some things. I know your heart's like mine. I love you, brother. Would you, would you and your lovely bride? You are the real deal. You are. Make no mistake about it. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to know what the heart of God looks like? Look right here. This is what the heart of God looks like. We give them honor today. We give them honor today. Hallelujah. My wife is going to come. She's, she's going to share just a little bit, and then we're going to dismiss. I just want you to know personally, each one of you have impacted my life, and I love each one of them. Man. Good God. I don't know where to stop. Can I say something? This was a good church today, and it was meant for me to be here. I'm asking my pastors today, will you baptize me? I need to be baptized. I've been walking in the, in the line of God and Jesus and my Lord, my Father. Now it's time for me to move on to another step. Into my love. We can make that happen. Absolutely. And I would love to get baptized, please. Absolutely. I got a filled tank. Next week. I'll be baptized. Thank you. Well, he is a tough act to follow. <laughs> and I have to apologize to Sherea because I said, oh, he's not really a preacher. He's a teacher. But <laughs> and then Kelly said, well, the Holy Ghost will get a hold of him today. And I said, well, I think so. He really showed his Pentecostal side this morning. <laughs> Thank you, honey. You did a great job, and he was up worrying about it half of the night, but the Lord really blessed him, and I am so proud of him, and he, he really, he does understand the heart of a pastor because he's been under so many great pastors all of his whole life. I mean, his dad started taking him to church from the time he was born, and he just turned 60 years old, so, you know, he's he's been doing it for a long time, but I have to look at my notes so can we get some lights or just a little bit of lights or something so I can read but uh we see week by week um you know what wonderful pastors that we have and I'm going to try to be real short so you guys don't have to stand so long but um we do 
you know, we do have great pastors here at the body Dayton. And I, there's no particular order here. I'm not, like, putting somebody first because they're more important or somebody last because they're least important. But I'm just going to start with Ryan. Um, he's our creative pastor. And as I was laying awake thinking about, like, what? is the creative pastor. You know, to be honest, I don't know what all a creative pastor does, but I guarantee you, I guarantee you that you would not have all these scriptures up here. You would not have all these lights. You would not have Facebook. You would not have the seed project. I mean... I mean, uh, there was a lot of collaboration with the Seed Project, but we'll give Ryan credit for that, okay? Um, you know, it just, I mean, it goes on and on. You know, there's so many things that go on behind the scenes that we can't even, um, we can't even name them. But, and Ben, I mean, when you saw this youth band up here this morning and how Ben has the confidence to pour into those youth, to give them the courage to stand up here and do what they're doing. I mean, it shows people what, I mean, you know, what he does. And um, so, um, and then Chancy, Chancy pastoring and leading our precious children who sooner than later are going to be doing what the adults are doing now, you know, and... Um, it's just, he just, he and Holly have such a positive influence on our children. It's just, it's just unbelievable. And of course, everything computer wise, I mean, <laughs> Chancy is the guru. I mean, without a doubt, you know, and then, um, let's see, do I leave anybody out there? And then Jeff, you know, I, it, it's so hard to say, say, the senior pastor, because that makes him sound like he's old. And he's not, he's not old, even though Tom and I have known him for like 30-some years, you know. And, um, and, and I don't want to call him old, because he's not old, and, and, you know, by no means. And um, his family and our family, the, we kind of, the kids grew up together. And I feel like his daughters, his, his family, they feel like... They could be my children, although I don't boss them because they don't need another boss or anything like that. But, um, but when they hurt, I hurt, you know, and that kind of thing. But um, Kim and Jeff have been just great friends through all the years, and um, I kind of feel sorry for them away because, in a way, because what Jeff has said about his family being like fish in a fishbowl, you know, you see everything about them. They they don't have any privacy, you know. And um, what you see is what you get with Jeff and Kim. And um, so that's what it is. And with um, Dwayne, um, Dwayne and Amanda came during the pandemic. You know, when the pandemic first started, they came to, to c come and be co-pastors of the body Dayton, and we didn't even have a name when they first came, I don't think, and, you know, we didn't know what to do. Are we the body gathering? Are we the living water? What are we? But we figured it all out, and the first time I met 
Pastor Duane, I was back in the back, and I had just had my knee replaced. And I was back there, like, hobbling and walking. And I think I was crying, and I was in pain. And Duane said, what's wrong with you? And I said, I just had my knee replaced. It was a terrible first introduction, and I felt so sorry. And Duane and Amanda are so complimentary to me, as I know they are to all of you. And I am so looking forward to many, many years with them, as I have with Kim and Jeff. And I'm telling you, we have the, uh, the greatest, greatest um, staff of pastors and pastors' wives. And I don't know who said it. I'm sure it was a very wise man that said, behind every good man is a great woman. And that can be said of all these that are standing here. So Olahana has put so much work behind all of this, and we have gifts for every one of our staff pastors. So she will pass those out. This is just a small token from our church. We can, if we had millions and millions of dollars, it would not be enough to thank you all for everything that you do. And So after we give all these gifts and things, we want the congregation to take, you know, as they're dismissed, we want you to try to greet them before you leave. We won't make you come up and go through a line or whatever. And I know that some of you don't like that. but (laughs) But we love you. We appreciate all you do. It's beyond what words can can express. We really do. We, th- we thank you for all the co- collaboration that goes on between all of you collectively to make this what it is and to bless us all every Sunday, week in and week out. Is that all, Olahana? Is there anything else? Preacher Tom? Anything else? <laughs> Just stand with us. Let's just pray a covering over our pastors. Father God, you have placed men and women over us that have your heart. They shepherd us. They lead us, Lord. They feel the pains whenever, whenever we fail, when we stumble, when we're hurt, Lord. They feel those pains. They also rejoice in our victories, Lord. And today we just want to cover them with your anointing, with your protective wings, oh God, that you would just stretch out your mighty wings and cover them, Lord. I pray a blessing upon them, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just bless their health, that they would grow strong before you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just bless them financially, Lord, that you would just open the the windows of heaven, Lord, and just pour out a blessing upon them. I pray, God, that you would just bless them in, in everything that they do, in their, in their relationships, in their connections with other people. I pray, God, that you would just prosper them at every, at every turn of their hand, Lord, and everything that they put their hand to, Lord, that it would just prosper. I pray over them, God, over, over this sickness, and I pray for their health. I pray for every little bit of their lives. We are so thankful, Lord, and I hope today that they can just sense the, the, the appreciation of this congregation, the love of this people.
We ask you just to go with them, Lord, and be in their homes, that their homes would be a place of peace, and a place of joy, Lord, that their house would be filled with laughter, Lord, and that your presence would always be there. I pray, God, whenever they walk into a store, Lord, that they would just change the atmosphere. Whenever they walk into a place, Lord, the atmosphere would just change because men and women of God have stepped into the room that the presence of Jesus Christ has entered. I pray, God, that you would just be with them now. And we bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen.